Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show... Good friend of the program, Dave Dufour, is in the building, and we are running through what's going on in the NBA 21 question style. Dave, what's going on, my man? It, uh, we're, every single time, Sam, I blow up your spot where you ask me what's going on. We just talked for 30 minutes. We did. No, we really I'm did. I'm playing. I'm playing. Yeah, uh, we had a nice little catch up. Actually, not much going on. Uh, the NBA has been a lot of fun. Like, I'm fully back in. Uh, on the NBA in a way that I think I probably haven't been since like I don't know what was the last fun NBA season 2018 maybe the last fun NBA season that's a good question I mean you know it's pre-pandemic for sure because that's just exhausting just uh, you know it has been yeah I don't know man Maybe it's just that the Warriors are back and Steph Curry is still like so good, but now the team around him isn't the drizzling shits. So it's more fun to watch. But man, I, things are good. That, that's a long way of saying that things are good. When I get to enjoy what I'm watching every night, like the games have been awesome. Life is good. That's good. I think I would say the 2018-19 season because that was that was like the Raptors winning the, the end title. Of it was such a it was such a bummer, though. The yeah, Raptors title, listen, and I'm not one of these people. I'm never taking away any title from any team except for the bubble Lakers, which <laughs> I can't even take that away from because they won it under those conditions. Now, we can say the bubble itself sucked, but everyone had the same conditions and the Lakers won. All right. So that's a title. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, I, we, yeah, can, we can knock the entire season, yeah. but we're not going to take it away from them. And with the Raptors, I'm not going to take it away from them. But, man, it I, it's just the biggest bummer to watch Clay Thompson and and Kevin Durant get hurt. I mean, it's I don't know. Uh, so that one, it, it, that's kind of to me. Was that? I don't know if that was the start of the, of the downfall because it was before that. Really, it's a lot of it has to do with the grifting and how out of control it got to the point where you know games just it took thirty minutes to play the last four minutes of a game between grifting and replay and all the other it's just the game is so much better right now it has a flow to it yeah it you is. Know, I, I know when i can go to the bathroom during a game like it, it, this is important stuff for a television show and it's just a better tv show now yeah and by grifting i assume you mean like the fouling flopping yeah. flopping yeah the stuff that everybody hates and while i understand the impetus to do it if you're a player i, I mean it, it's It'd be like being a baseball player in 1998 and not using steroids. You're not going to do that. No. Juice up. Hit some home runs. Get paid. Juice up. <laughs> Flop around a little bit. Get some free throws. Juice your stats. I get it. I, I totally get it. But I, I'm glad that the league has corrected it. It's awesome. I'm trying not to harp on it too much, but it comes up every time because it directly contributes 
to me enjoying the game more. It really does, doesn't it? It like really kind of the truly... NBA was insult the NBA. The players in the NBA were insulting basketball fans with the flopping. Well, and this is, I think, why you got really into. I mean, look, like you've loved European basketball for years, but I felt oh, yeah. like talk, when I was talking to you offline, like you would just be so much more enthusiastic over the last couple of years about like Euroleague basketball. It's a, it's a more enjoyable sport to watch. I, look, I'm not a huge. And you and I have talked about this. I'm not a huge sports watcher. I I played sports growing up. I love to coach basketball in particular. But my favorite thing to do is not to sit around and watch sports. I like to do stuff. So if I'm going to sit around and watch something, and especially basketball, a sport that I know and love so much, I want to watch it played well. And I want to watch the sport actually played, not a procedural uh, exhibition, which is kind of what we wound up with, where it was, you know, how can I technically score points? through Literally right. through technicalities. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I think it, the game is way better. Again, I, I'm trying not to harp on it so much, but I do think that, I mean, this is the first conversation that you and I have had this season. And I right. think that the number one thing on my sort of plate that I've taken away from the first month of the season has just been while wow, the games are way better to watch and they're exciting and I'm not even going to be uh, like everybody else and mention the take foul because I don't want to be greedy. Yeah. I like, fix that. Yeah. I agree with you. The game is a lot better right now. I think there's still like room for improvement in terms of it feels oh, like they've gone Get rid of live far. ball timeouts. You know, let's. Well, you oh, even no, like. I disagree. See, I disagree with you. I'd rather have more no calls. Yeah. Than than calls. See, I think this is better than what it's been for sure. Like this is mm-hmm. an undeniably better product, even with my small like concerns about the fact that like guys are getting crushed around the basket sometimes and like fouls are just not being called. But I'd still rather see like, you know, the the real the real fouls I think should get called when guys like aren't actually trying to grift their way into these points and foul calls. I, I would like to see some of those fouls get called, but this product is drastically better than what we've seen in the last couple of years. And I'm really excited about it. Like this is a great NBA season so far. This is an absolutely unbelievable NBA season so far. And I think we should dive into the 21 questions now. And for people who are unfamiliar with this kind of idea that we do on this show it's 21 questions we take three minutes per question ends up being about an hour long podcast doster and i went for two hours but that's because rob and i talk every day and it's impossible for us to shut up uh dave and i are going to go three minutes per question and we're going to have some fun with this so let's dive in because i think that the first question here is why i'm having so much fun with this season it's the golden state warriors who are just such a joy to watch in so many ways every single time that I turn on the television and they are on or anytime I queue up synergy and they are on. So my first question for you, Dave Dufour, are the Golden State Warriors the NBA title favorites? I said that <laughs> that's funny. I actually kind of asked this question the other day on Nerder. I think they ought to be right now. And it's 14, 15 games into the season. 
So take it with a grain of salt. We know that can change, but we also do know that the first 20 games are a huge indicator of where we're going to wind up, at least on a regular season standpoint. Yep. They're going to add Clay Thompson to this team, and he's going to take a lot of these Damian Lee minutes that just frustrate the hell out of me. Um, I, yeah, I think they should they should be the title favorites. I, I don't think that's even controversial, man. I, what's, what's their weakness? That that's what I'm struggling to pinpoint right now because this is a great defensive team. Like the level that Draymond Green is at defensively right now is absolutely unbelievable. And look, like I, I am the world's biggest Draymond Green fan. I will always like go to bat for that dude. So you know, th- this probably falls on deaf ears for longtime listeners of the podcast because they know that I'm just like so ridiculous when it comes to that dude. But they have a defensive rating right now at 98.8. Second place is the Clippers at 102.2. They are so much better defensively than every other team in the NBA right now that it's kind of absurd to me. And, and this isn't like based off of poor three-point shooting against them or anything like this is this is a real defense i think right now this is an impressive impressive uh and in my opinion a a very uh, something that can be continued going into the long term i think like everything i've seen so far look teams are shooting like 32 percent from three against them but they rotate out onto shooters like they do a really good job like I, i think that Everything I've seen from the Warriors says they are an exceptional defense. They are at the very least a top five defense. And then their offense is led by Stephen Curry and they're going to get Clay Thompson back. Like everything that I've seen. And oh, by the way, on top of that, they have maybe more pieces than any of the other contenders at the end of their roster. Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, um, James Wiseman, potentially, if they want to go down that road, that they could go out and get a legitimate difference maker on top of clay Thompson that they have coming back. Like this is to me, they they have a chance to win the title. And I think that right now they should be the favorite based off of what we've seen. Yeah. I agree with all that. Uh, We, we did like a deep dive on their defense on Nerder on Friday on, on the athletic NBA show. And we kind of said the same thing. We were like, how do you beat this defense? Mm -hmm. You hope you can out big them. But that's tough because Draymond Green, I don't know, is one of the best defensive centers of the last 10 years for sure. Yep. Maybe ever, depending on, depending on what you want to d- define him as for his career. Yeah, I, I, look, they should win the title. I mean, they should be the favorites to win the title. Let's see what happens when LeBron gets back and gets healthy. And, totally. You know, if he can make Anthony Davis show up. Um, obviously, the Bucks are, are – starting to get healthy. I think Brooke Lopez today, he said he's going to be back in a few weeks, which, you know, of course I figured he'd be back in a few weeks. Uh, I didn't, you know, we didn't hear that it was too serious. I mean, this is, that's the team playing for the title anyway. Right. So I, I think that they're part of a handful of teams that have a realistic title, uh, aspiration. Yep. But yeah, they're def- I mean, they're my favorite right now. They're the best team in the league right now. I mean, they're winning the race. And in that capacity, question number two, fact or fiction from the midpoint of last season onward, Stephen Curry has been the best player in the NBA. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he never left to be honest with you. Like, I mean, he's, I think he's just been the best player in the league. And if you want to pick one guy, it's going to rotate constantly night to night. I think on any given night, the last few years, it's been LeBron. It's been Steph. 
it's been Kevin Durant, it's been Giannis, or it's been Jokic. And, yeah, Steph, I, he's just been ahead above even Jokic, even Giannis, even Kevin Durant, as great as Kevin Durant's been. Yeah. For, for about a year now. I thought that it was going to be Kevin Durant this year. I thought he was going to be fully back from the Achilles injury. And look, Kevin Durant, I think would be my pick. He's great. I think he'd be my pick for number two. And I think Giannis would be my pick for number three right now. Like I, I strongly believe in all three of these dudes, but the tear that Stephen Curry, the tear that Stephen Curry has been on since the midpoint of last year is unbelievable. I mean, he has taken, I think the number is like, He's taken 203 threes in 500 minutes played. And look, I don't know if he's quite as like talented as he was in the back-to-back NBA, uh, NBA MVP seasons, right? Like there's probably some sort of drop-off there in regard to his skill set, right? But the way that he has stylistically changed his game to now take more threes than ever before and take advantage of his unbelievable pull-up three-point shooting ability, I mean, he's taking 14 threes a game right now. When he won the MVP awards, yeah, like you could make a case that it still might not be enough. Like, I mean, Stephen Curry won the MVP awards in uh, 2015 and 2016. I mean, back then, like, Look, that first year, he was taking eight threes a game. He's almost taking double that per game now. Uh, He's almost hitting eight threes a game. Yeah, like he's literally making six threes a game right now. It's unbelievable. So you look at that, you look at just the general way that he has adjusted his game to account essentially for the improvement of analytics in basketball in addition to the... Uh, I, I, I guess that it, I don't even know that his skill set is diminished, but let's say that like, look, he's 33 years old now and there's probably like some sort of small attrition there, but the way that he's changed his play style has more than made up for that. Given how elite he is as a shooter. Yeah. I don't disagree with any of that. I think that a lot of that is, you know, those guys listen to me on the podcast, I think. And when I said that the best offense you could possibly put out there is Steph Curry shooting the ball a hundred times, I think they were, they were listening. I mean, yeah. it, like it's such an obvious, I'm, I'm joking. Um, but to me, it's such an obvious thing. Get Steph to take more shots, especially threes. And then it's just going to get better for everyone else. That's the, that's the trick here. Those 14 threes, that's making finishing at the basket easier for Draymond Green. Yep. By the way, looks fantastic. Looks like 2016 Draymond yep. finishing at the basket. I don't know what happened with his hands, but all of a sudden he can he can make a layup now. Part of that is Steph Curry taking 14 threes. And I think that the success of their offense when he's out there, it's a lot about that. But a lot of it is his cutting. And he will cut, he will cut his defender into the, the help defender and use him as a screener on, on play. I mean, just out of nowhere. He'll do that kind of thing. Well, it's funny. So, like as a defense, you can never rest, right? Yeah. Like, I, look, you know, people who follow the podcast for a long time know that I'm a Penguins fan, and for a long time, like Sidney Crosby has been called like the world's greatest like grinder, right? Uh, that he just plays so hard, gets into the dirty areas, does all of the things that like typically a grinder does in the NHL. Stephen Curry's a grinder. Like he's the NBA's Sidney Crosby, right? Like. 
look, like you might not may, might be able to say that traditionally, based off of skills, he might not be like the most talented player in the NBA, but he just constantly moves. He cuts. He sets screens for his teammates to free up open spaces in ways that guys of his stature do not. Uh, he is the NBA's best grinder, I think. And, and that, in addition to that, he is the best cardio of anyone in the NBA. He never gets tired. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I think for sure the cardio, and I actually uh, have posited. Uh, you know, the question, I wonder what his VO2 max is. I, I really am curious. Mm-hmm. I do know that in the weight room, Steph Curry is always at the top of the leaderboard for the, for the Warriors, at least a few years ago when there was more reporting about that kind of stuff. Um, but like the guy, I mean, you look at his body, look at what he's done to his body over the course of his career, the way he's maintained it. You know, we all know about the ankle issues that just no longer bother him anymore. And that was work. Yep. It was surgery and work. Um, and you watch this guy go, and, and again, there is no rest for the defense. And by the way, he's also playing the best individual defense of his career on the other end. I mean, this guy is, the, to me, the runaway MVP right now, Yeah, he, even though, again, 15 games in. But he's the runaway MVP. It's, there's, not, there's no one else even anywhere near him. I don't care who it is. His team is far and away better than everybody else. And Steph Curry, what he's doing, nobody's touching. Question number three is about a team that played the Golden State Warriors this week. It seems like there just seems to be this consistent outrage economy right now surrounding the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are also 11 and five. They are currently tied for first place in the Eastern Conference. So there's something of a disconnect here. How do you feel about the Brooklyn Nets? Do we think that something's off or do we think that they're just fine? I mean, I think it it looks harder than it should be. For, for a team that's got Kevin Durant and James Harden. But if you look at how James Harden's played, I don't I don't think anyone should be surprised that it looks difficult. It's hard. Yeah. They, they don't have a lot of guys. I mean, remember, they don't have Kyrie at all. That's just a roster spot that n- is useless. Yeah. It's no it's a nobody. And this is this is supposed to be their third best player. And and so it's next man up. And that's a huge talent drop off from Kyrie to the next guy. So I just don't know what people want. I mean, Kevin Durant has almost willed them to where they're at. And, you know, he's got this shoulder issue and maybe is going to miss some time. You hope that James Harden can use this time to get himself going. But I think to be worried about this team right now, you can worry about some of their process stuff. But it's pretty obvious where they're at. They're trying to get James Harden going, I think. Yeah, I agree. And then, and then when that doesn't work, they're trying to do other stuff. And I don't know. I think it's just too early, and they have too much talent to be worried. I just, I mean, the Kyrie thing has really thrown a wrench in their entire season because I don't know if James Harden shows up looking the way he did if he knows Kyrie's not going to be available. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's the thing for me. I think the Nets are going to be fine long term, and I think that they're that's still, my assumption. they'd still be my pick yeah. to come out of the East. Uh, I think Harden came in just not in shape, frankly. And yeah, he doesn't not he did not come in looking like a professional athlete. He's quickly working himself back into shape. You look at his last four games; he's averaging twenty seven points, six rebounds, nine assists on fifty forty eighty eight again. Like mm-hmm. he seems to be able to get that little extra bit of separation now in a way that early in the season he just wasn't able to get that little bit of separation. Like there is that clip. Uh, 
you know, from a few weeks ago where he was just like totally locked up. I forget who it was. I want to say it was against Detroit, if I remember correctly, either Detroit or Toronto, uh, one of those two teams. And he just like literally couldn't get any space. He was trying to cross up whoever was guarding him and then just like ended up throwing the ball away and then jogging back in transition and, uh, you know, had like the ultimate low light of this season. That stuff's not happening as much. Like there was the clip of Jeremiah Robinson Earl, like kind of locking him up uh, a couple games ago from Oklahoma city, but that's becoming fewer and farther between it seems. And I thought that his game against Cleveland uh, a couple of days ago, as of recording this, they've had a couple of days off, which is nice. Um, I think that that was the harden that we've been accustomed to seeing over the last few years. So as long as James Harden continues to be that guy, I think the Nets are going to be fine. And going to another team now that has been unbelievable for the last few weeks, the Phoenix Suns are on a 10-game winning streak. And they look like just an absolute buzzsaw, right? Like they are destroying teams, it feels like. And I think it's all because of Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul has been incredible this season. So do you think that Chris Paul, we're ever going to see someone like this dude again? Like he is a small point guard with like kind of a thick frame who is into his late thirties and just completely dominates the pace of the game. I genuinely don't think we're ever going to see someone like this in the NBA again. Do you think we'll ever see anything like Chris Paul again? Hmm. I mean, Probably not the same way, just because the game has changed so much. Um, you know, it, it's not going to be a Chris Paul type because I just think small guards operating in the spaces that he sort of tends to operate. I, I mean, John Morant does it, but he does it like with floaters instead of the pull up. Right. You know, the game has changed so much that no, I don't think stylistically you're going to see it. But you know, is Trey Young a small guard? Like, would you consider him? Trey Young, John Moran, like that type, not as small as as Chris Paul, but similar, operate in similar spaces, try to break down the defense, get into the middle of the paint, you know, around the free throw line. I, I would, and, for what it's worth. Like, I, I would consider those guys pretty similar. Yeah, I, I guess that, like, yeah. the difference is that, like, Chris Paul's, like, a little bit more domineering than those guys. Like, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, and also... Um, you know, not as feared off the to get to the basket as John ja Morant because that's you don't want that, uh, especially at this point in his career, Chris Paul. I should say not. This is not you know 2008, right? Um, and then uh, you know with Trey Young, the the threat of the deep three, but I mean they're similar players. They just the the, the tools that they have at their disposal open up similar places to Chris Paul. But you're right to to dominate the way the ball the way he does. It, it's interesting that he's not heliocentric, but he's kind of like a throwback point guard to a certain it's, degree. It's, like yeah, John it's, Stockton, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's domineering. I don't know. It's hard being to describe. Heliocentric. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, like his usage is is not through the roof. He he, you know, he finds guys and then has a lot of hockey assists, especially with this team, right? But it's uh, it is unique. Yeah, it's funny. I hadn't I hadn't really thought about it that way. But yeah, I do think that with the way he plays and the just change in the era and how the game is so different now, probably unlikely that that there's another guy like him. Well, and he's 36 and is still fine defensively. Like that's the other thing. Okay. Well, 
Yeah, and I mean, but we know that the NBA, so much of defense is about the other personnel and yeah, then, sure. you know, IQ and scheme and connectedness. And, and Chris Paul, you're never going to have to worry about that stuff. And especially now where they're allowed to be a little bit more physical, that's going to work to a, I mean, Chris Paul is stout. He may be short, but he's stout. Yep. I'm not calling him a little teapot, but <laughs> he is he is stout. He can hold up. And so, yeah, I think that that part is a little bit less surprising to me. But being 36 at this point, it doesn't mean what it did. It doesn't mean what, what it does to our brain, if that makes sense. I, I think the reality mm. of 36 years old is so much different in 2021 than it was even in 2011 that our brains haven't had a chance to recalibrate for this, yeah. if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, you know, maybe the tail, the tail end of an athlete's career is no longer – 32 33 34 maybe it's 36 37 38 could be and we have to readjust question number five is very simple uh the washington wizards are 10 and 5 right now how are they doing this (laughs) defense defense and look man they traded one guy who could be an overwhelming detriment for them but also helped drag them into the playoffs for three players that are so far contributing high quality minutes. I mean, Contavious Caldwell Pope is a good three and D player. Yep. And this team has needed one for a long time, a really long time. They also got Spencer Dinwiddie, who is a big guard and can hold up against guys on the perimeter. He's not a bad defender. He's not a good defender, but he's not a bad one. And you just start putting guys out there that are better than what they had available to them last year. And defense is better. The intensity is there. I've been surprised that you know that they're not getting more, honestly, more out of their offense. And I think that that's still to come. The, the Wizards are just a better team than they were last year. Plain and simple. That's how they're doing it. Well, the, the weird thing is that like they haven't really gotten Bradley Beal's best either. Nope. Like, Bradley Beal's shooting 29% from three. Like That's going to revert at some point. Um, you can say that, look, maybe... Kyle Kuzma doesn't shoot 36, 37 from three on seven attempts per game. You can say that, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't shoot 36% from three on six attempts per game. But the reversion that they're going to get from Bradley Beal is going to be enormous for their offense. The other guy that I kind of want to spotlight here, I really like what Denny Avdia is doing for them. He's like really valuable for them. It's just like a connector piece on offense. And on defense, he's actually just like really energetic and like long and knows where he needs to be. And he's smart. He gets deflections. Like, I kind of think that he's a critical piece of why their defense is so able to manage, for instance, 30 minutes a night of Montrezl Harrell. Right. And by the way, Montrezl Harrell, I think, is having one of his better defensive seasons that we've seen. So the scheme is clearly awesome defensively. And they haven't gotten what we would expect out of Bradley Beal yet. I don't know. Like I, I don't know that I think it's real insofar as like, I don't know that they will win 50 games. Right. But I think they're a playoff team based off of what we've seen so far. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Question number six, which of the following teams are you most worried about? And which of the following teams are you panicking most about? The Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, or the Atlanta Hawks? I think Boston I'm I'm the most worried about. They just don't I mean they don't have a ton of talent. 
the Bucks have just been hurt, yeah. and they're going to be fine. I mean, you know, they got just got Middleton back. Brooke Lopez is coming back. Drew's been back for a little bit now. Giannis looks fantastic and mad, which is cool. <laughs> um, you know, I think with with the Celtics, they clearly have some underlying issues that are not just on the basketball court. So it's it's actually hard to analyze what's happening there. Yeah. Because it's personality driven as well. And this is a continuation of stuff that was going on last year too. Th- this is not new. Uh but I do think that it it's worse. So yeah, I'm much more worried about them. Atlanta is Atlanta unfortunately is just funky because Nate McMillan is messing with their offense too much. He should have just kept running the same offense that was just absolutely cooking people and kept that team defending. You know, losing DeAndre Hunter hurts them, but they've got enough guys that this could create a lot of clarity for them long term. So, I, yeah, I'm way more worried about Boston. And you start hearing, yeah, I, I'm just, I don't know. I, I, I think Boston, they could go anyway as far as the trade market goes. And I, I don't know. I look around at their roster. The guy that seems like he could be moved is Marcus Smart. When is he eligible to be traded? Is it January 15th? Uh, or is he December 15th? I can't remember. Uh, it's like he's a an weird extension, right? deal because it's not, it's not like the <laughs> traditional like December 15th. It's, yeah, I can't remember it, off the top It's six of my head. months after he signed his extension. Yeah, but he's eligible to be traded before the deadline. Uh, he's a guy that I guess they could, they could move. Um, I just I don't know. I, I like I don't believe any of the Jalen Brown talk. That would be one of the dumber trades. I can't believe you would anybody would even think about that. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, of course, yes. If you're talking to Boston, you want Jalen Brown because he's a superstar. Yeah, but for for what it's worth, moved. on Marcus Smart, he is eligible to be traded January 25th. 25th. Okay, perfect. Thanks. Yeah. Now I know that. And so, uh, yeah, he's eligible to be traded before the deadline, but it might be too late for them by then. I mean, if they're in the play in range, I don't know. What are you what are you gunning for to get beat by the by the Bucks in the second round? Well, and, and, and maybe know. maybe I'll move a question up that I was going to ask you later, because this might be a good follow up. Right. Uh we're about one-fifth of the way through the season. Which team strikes you as the one that's most likely at the deadline to decide that it's time just to break up some of their core and make a big trade that is more of like a seller's trade than a buyer trade? You know, that's an interesting question because, you know, it's fun, It's funny. We've, we've been talking about the teams that we think should be favorites, but there is a lot of parity when you look around the league. Right, like, yeah. If you told me that the Mavericks – at the deadline, made a really smart move and got, I don't know, let's say they, they wound up with Drogic somehow on a buyout, and, and maybe they, they lucked into a decent wing. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, Dallas might have a shot to come out of the West, depending on how things shake out. You know, injuries play a part in all of this every single year, but I think that there's a bunch of teams in both conferences that, that should feel like, you know, a couple things break our way we can come out of this conference. We can make a finals berth. I mean, Phoenix did this just last year. We've seen right. it. With that being said, I think like Portland, You, I mean, you look at them, Portland could be a team that's like, okay, well, we got to shake this up. Dame or CJ or w- whatever. You know, all right, let's, let's see how Ben Simmons looks if he's available. Other than that, though, I mean, you know, so many of these teams, they, they just got guys. Right. I just don't know who could. Now, Pascal Siakam is a guy that 
if he gets traded, I wouldn't be shocked. Yet yeah, Toronto is Miles one of Turner. the teams that point that like kind of stands out to me because after their hot start, they've kind of like I don't want to say tailed off. That's probably not fair necessarily. They're where they ought to be. Yeah, but you know they've lost. Uh, I think it's like five of their last six, or maybe even six of their last seven, and like four of those losses i think three or four of those losses have been like not great ones by double digits and and i'm starting to wonder okay maybe it is you move a siakam cuz they looked pretty good early in the season without him to be honest i mean it, there's a lot of positional overlap with them yeah there is you know what i mean o- og and scotty barnes and all these guys i i just don't know that siakam is enough of a drink stirrer that you can't move him. I don't know if he does enough for you that, that you can't move him. Um, but the Pacers are another team that I think – I thought this way when you know when they brought in Carlisle and everyone started giving them five wins, and I was just like, listen, there are times where a team gets a, a much better coach, and Carlisle is a fantastic coach. He's a top-five coach in the NBA. You're, you're going to have a hard time upgrading on Carlisle. But I think that that roster was just topped out as it was. Yeah. It wasn't coaching. As as much of a mess as it sounds like, I don't think it was the coaching that was causing them problems. It's the roster. It's the same roster it's been for three seasons. There was nothing new. I don't know why anybody thought you just plug a coach in and all of a sudden you, you acquire more talent. It doesn't work that way. The NBA is not that league. Okay, let's take a quick commercial break, and we will be back with another set of seven. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So... When I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions, just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, 
With Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account. Nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Okay, we're back. It's time for the obligatory question about Ben Simmons that every podcast is contractually obligated to do every time that they record. It feels like this thing kind of goes through cycles of, you know, clutch pro pushing pressure onto the 76ers, the 76ers trying to defuse, and then it ends up, you know, kind of dying out again. And then the pressure ratchets back up and then it ratchets back down. A deal, it doesn't seem like is close right now based off of all reports. Uh, do you think Ben Simmons finishes the year as a 76er? And is there an actual move out there that you think could make sense? I mean, uh, there are tons of moves that make sense. I, I heard... Um Jeremy Grant, his name kind of kind of tossed out there. For what it's worth, yeah, I don't like that one actually. For Detroit, either team. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, but I mean, I, there are deals out there that could get done. That that one, I actually think I like Ben Simmons uh, to Detroit because they could use. I think they could use what he does. But uh, you know, the CJ McCollum deal just feels pretty apparent. Yeah. And I know a lot of people have even said maybe Damian Lillard for for Simmons. Um, you know, you'd expect a lot of stuff going to Portland with Simmons. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's so tricky. Like, who wants him? This this entire saga where he's mentally unfit to play. Number one, nobody's going to want to touch it. I don't even want to talk about it because what am I supposed to say? I don't know anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Yeah, totally. No, like right? all of the mental um, health all, stuff. Like, I, that's why I don't really want to dive into the, yeah. like, is Ben Simmons, like, fit to play, unfit to right. play? I don't know. But if like, you're, think about it. If, if, yeah. I'm in a, if I'm another GM, man, I, that's your problem, not mine. I don't want that problem. And, and you know, it is a problem. Uh, whatever it is that's keeping him from playing is a problem. And, and the idea that he can be traded and then it magically solves that problem. Well, that's not a risk I'd be willing to take as another GM. Certainly so not for a star I think it's player. likely. Uh, I mean, not. I mean, that's a that's a big contract. How many years left? Uh, I believe that he has three after this one. Yeah. So um, you know, I, I think it likely goes into next summer. I, I think he gets probably gets moved next summer or something gets worked out. But yeah, I, I don't I don't see any teams trading for him this year. It's gotten too weird. You've hit the Tyson zone almost. But just so we don't leave 76ers fans uh, coming away from this podcast very disappointed uh, and just bummed out by the entire Ben Simmons saga, something positive that's happening in Philadelphia is the subject of question number nine. I think Tyrese Maxey looks like a burgeoning star right now in Philadelphia. Yes. Uh how has he gone about making this leap into looking like a genuine, like maybe even star point guard of the future for the Philadelphia 76ers? 
I said this last year. I thought he was the best shooter in that draft, ultimately. And, and not just like catch-and-shoot guy, but I thought he was going to wind up being the best shooter all around, shooting off the dribble. And obviously we know in the NBA that's the most important skill, especially for a guard. And I, all last year I was saying, look, the, the Sixers need to try to find themselves with the problem of we have to start Maxi by the time they get to the playoffs. Like they need to feel like we need to start Maxi. He's so good for us. And I think that would have been a game changer for them in the playoffs last year if he had gotten to this point. You know, when, it, when was that? Six months ago? Five months ago? I don't know. It all feels like it's on top of each other. But yeah, I think he's taking a leap right now. We're watching yep. him do it. This time without Embiid is huge for his development. And this is another reason why I'm so bummed out that Ben Simmons isn't fucking playing basketball, man, because this would be such a great time to develop that chemistry. Because Ben Simmons is a good basketball player. The Sixers are a good basketball team. They're a better team with him. The, the, the giant warts that, that we saw in the playoffs last year, man, that was because of a lack of depth. This team had nobody. They lost Danny Green. All of a sudden, you, you know, they didn't have this Tyrese Maxey. I just think that, you know, I, I really was hoping, just my basketball sensibilities were hoping that they were going to figure this out with Ben Simmons because I thought Maxie had this in him. And, and it's nice to see that he does. And when Embiid comes back, I think they're going to go on a run. Tyrese Maxey's last eight games, he's averaging 21.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists, under one turnover per game, while shooting 54, 50, 85. That is like star level shit right now. Uh, look, I'm a little bit less confident in the shooting consistency right now than you are. I think he'll be a shooter long term. Like I think he'll be fine in that regard. Uh, I, I don't know if he's a 40% three point shooter at this specific moment, especially given like the difficulty of shots. I think he's going through a hot streak, but. I think that there's just so much there in terms of the way that he gets to the basket, the way he gets to the floater game. Like he is explosive off the bounce. Like it, it is, he gets there quick and he's decisive and he can, he's always on balance. Like he's an incredibly impressive player. Uh, his emergence this year is so important to what Philadelphia is doing. And it allows them, I think, to potentially open themselves up to other offers for Ben Simmons that may not necessarily involve getting a point guard back, which I think is really, really important for them. Question number 10. The closest team to you the last couple of years has been the San Antonio Spurs. So you've gotten a close look at DeMar DeRozan when maybe the basketball community tuned out the San Antonio Spurs. Do we think that like people just weren't watching DeMar DeRozan the 100%. last couple of years? Because he's oh. like he's been awesome. <laughs> look, man, uh, I'm glad you brought this up because something I'm passionate about is DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. Look, one of the numbers that I like to look at is PRF, points responsible for. That's points scored and it points assisted. It's very simple. But guess what? Guys at the top of the list are the best players in the league. DeMar DeRozan's been top 15 for like the last seven or eight years. That's pretty black and white. The whole point of offense is to put the ball in the basket. Now, we can talk about his defense, and I do think that this year he has, he has brought his A-level defense. Now, his A-level defense is, you know, maybe sub-league average. It's but like B-minus, C-plus, yeah. He's doing stuff, man. Uh, he is doing stuff. He's using his hands, which have always been fantastic, getting into passing lanes, 
creating opportunities. And now he's got really good defenders around him. You know, he, he's not going to get caught out on an island ever with the Bulls. It just, it just isn't going to happen. And that really isn't where DeMar would get beat anyway. Because he's he's got a good wide base. Like he you you it's hard to be stronger than DeMar DeRozan on a drive. So he can get into your chest a little bit and he can do stuff. It's just, you know, it's not his forte. But the truth is, man, yeah, nobody was watching DeMar. It started the last season in Toronto. He really embraced this playmaker role and he just yep. got better at it every single year. And then we got to see the last few years where he's playing more of the four with guards around him. Yep. And then his lack of his lack of spacing ability or spacing want isn't as big of a deal because the guy is a absolute killer in the mid-range. So, yeah, people aren't watching DeMar, and, man, this is fun. I love that he's getting the recognition now. Uh, I, I mentioned on a podcast a few weeks ago with DeMar De, uh, with Nikias Duncan that DeMar DeRozan is going to have a very real Hall of Fame case uh, whenever he retires. Uh, he's like basically going to be a top 50 scorer in the NBA, like by the midpoint of next season. And if you're a top 50 scorer in the NBA that like history, that ends up being a pretty real proxy for whether or not you make the hall of fame. And the students averaging 27 points a game, five rebounds, four assists, two to one assist turnover ratio, 50, 35, 87 right now. He's playing even better than what I thought. I, I was someone who was very positive on all of the Bulls' moves in the offseason. I really liked them. I thought it was an intelligent move to get back to competency. I didn't expect this necessarily. They're better than what I thought they'd be. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is playing better than what I thought he would play. But the combination of him and Zach Levine has been unbelievable this year. It's been one of the true joys to watch in basketball. And yeah. I am so happy that we're getting an opportunity to see it. It's it's just the best. It's it's one of the things I enjoy watching most every single night in basketball. Can I just say something? Just because I don't know if this is going to come up, but uh, Zach Levine also taking a leap. And I want to get a sidetracked, but next time let's see where he's at. Yeah. I think Zach Levine is doing stuff, man. His it's, playmaking. Yeah, it's more he, and like more guy. off ball stuff as well. A hundred percent, but he yeah. is a guy and, and, and defense too, by the yep. way, um, sh- just really, really crisp on his rotations. It's amazing how good uh, or how much better good players look when you surround them with other good players. Yep. Isn't that cool? That's why I love basketball, man. Yeah. Uh, he and DeMar are both going to be all-stars this year and uh, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be Make very interesting. Team. I mean, come on, let's get Caruso and Lonzo. <laughs> let's get them all in there. Bull, man, I'm all in on the Bulls. This is great. Like, I grew up a Bulls fan. I don't have any fandom left in me anymore. Uh, but it, I, look, the Bulls need to be good. I think, the, like, it, it, if I were the commissioner of the NBA, I would maybe just make sure that the Bulls always had good players so that they could be good. I think it's just important. Um, I don't really care about competitive balance in that case. But the Chicago Bulls should just always be good. <laughs> The hardest team, question number 11, for me to figure out in the NBA right now is the Dallas Mavericks. They're 9-5. to They're winning games. They're also below average in both offense and defensive efficiency. They have a negative point differential. Luka Doncic still is kind of working his way back into playing shape, it feels like. Jason Kidd is still their basketball coach. Are you buying or selling the Mavericks based on this 
based off of what we've seen so far uh, for the rest of the season? I I honestly, oh God, man, and I've seen every single one of their games. I don't even know. I have a hard enough time judging them from night to night. Even it's biz- I, again for, forget night to night. They are winning to games that they. Yeah, it, it's. I I don't know. I, this team has no identity, and that's been the the case for the last few years. And there's a lot of this the the bullshit of Luca not making his teammates better, which is absolutely horseshit. Um, this idea that Luca needs to touch the ball less, and it's like okay, but who do you want touching the basketball now? Brunson's been a great surprise for them, and I think Tim Hardaway Jr. remains an underrated player. And here recently, Porzingis has looked fantastic. So maybe things are starting to work out, but they still just do funky stuff. Like there there was that game against Denver where Porzingis got cooked for like five minutes by Bull Bull. Like got, got cooked. And then the second half, he was incredible and was like amazing for them. It's literally... Half by half, quarter by quarter, you don't know what you're going to get from anyone on that roster outside of Luca just being like creative and making shit happen. And frankly, Jalen Brunson as well. Like Jalen Brunson's been really consistent, I think, and been a really steady hand throughout the year. Uh, th- that contract's going to get fun because he, I think, might price himself out of a mid level exception deal. But I love everything um, that we've seen from him while also simultaneously having no idea if this Dallas team is like, are, are they a contender? Like if they make a deal, like maybe are, are they a, uh, like a total like team that's going to make the play in. Like you, you can very easily make a case that Utah Denver wants Porter and maybe Murray late in the season, get back Portland, golden state, Phoenix, the Lakers, the Clippers, all finish ahead of them in the standings. That's seven teams. Or you can make a case that they finish ahead of like all of those teams outside of Utah and maybe the Warriors right now. It, it, the West is such a jumbled mess, and I think they're taking advantage of that. But like, I, I, I th- it's really important for them to have banked these wins early while Luka continues to work his way into shape. I think that's like the most critical thing that they've done so far is just bank wins, knowing that Luca is probably going to be better by the time game 25 hits. Yeah. I mean, look, winning games is better than not winning games, especially these, all these games that they've won that they shouldn't. But what's funny is I I was talking to Tim Cato about this, that that Denver game, they absolutely should win. Yeah. They should. Denver is beat up. Right. So uh, yeah, they're a weird team. And, and I, just don't. I even said this on our on our Mavericks pod, seventy seven minutes. I don't know what to say about them. We've been saying the same thing for multiple years. You just changed the coach, and that's a huge downgrade. And there's going to be a lot of weirdness there because you know, kind of a weird coach. And uh, yeah, they're they're winning these games that they shouldn't. So they're confusing as hell. I'm with you. I, I'm 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 lost. Um, I probably need to see another twenty games to figure it out. And even then. Because they're so much the same team, I, I just don't know that I'll have any new information. Question number 12. The Clippers are 9-6 and six and they're holding steady without Kawhi. Is there a more important player in the NBA to his team right now than Paul George? Nope. Nope. 
think that that's simple. true. Leading the offense, leading the defense. Uh, he's just been spectacular. Yeah, Paul George, uh, that that run that they went on, what, what did they win? Seven straight, and then they lost one, and now they've won two? Yep. Pretty good. Is that right? No, 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 sorry. They won seven straight and then lost. Yeah, they, they lost one, and then... Pretty good. They, well, they lost two and out of three, one. basically, after yeah, winning yeah, seven yeah. in a row. Yeah. Yeah, um, but... Pretty good run, and I was worried about them because I was I was worried they were having trouble figuring things out. And then you go back and you look at the tape, and it's like, okay, well the Warriors are really damn good, and they played them close opening night. Okay, so let's see what what's been going on with them. A lot of it is they just needed to hit shots. You know, Reggie Jackson came around. All of a sudden, everybody starts to look better. But Paul George has been steady all season long. He's been fantastic. I would have Paul George right now in the top five of MVP voting. I'm with you. Like, wouldn't I'm even think you. twice. It'd be Steph, it'd be KD. Um, Paul George would certainly be in there. Uh, probably would have Jokic in there as well, somewhere. And then Giannis, I think, would be in there as well. Because you, to- you're not worried. Like, you're probably like me, right? I'm very process-oriented, not results. Yeah. The results for MVP do matter to me, ultimately. But I'm not worried that the Bucks are seven and eight right now, because I I've watched these games and seen what Giannis has done yeah. with no help, right? No, y- so Giannis maybe has been maybe you and I are kind of saying. Yeah, I think I'd have KD in my top five and not Giannis. I think I, it's Steph. Yeah, I'd Jokic, have both. Honestly, Giannis worth. Uh, okay, Paul George, KD. Yeah, that's my top five. Yeah, it's those it's those five. I, I think, but that, you got to think about. Yeah. I think you also got to think about. Chris Paul, like you yeah. mentioned, I mean, they've been on that run. And look, Miami, for some reason, it's very easy to overlook them. Yeah. Because they're death by a thousand paper cuts when you think about their team and what they've been doing this year. Because Kyle Lowry's been awesome. Jimmy Butler's been awesome. Bam's been awesome. Yeah. Tyler Hero's been awesome. Yeah. For but, what it's worth, Butler was the sixth guy that I really thought about oh, there. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. I mean, well, you, you know. Again, you and I, we, we think a lot alike here, so uh, I'm not surprised that you were thinking about Jimmy Butler. Who is the, Who plays the most fun games in the NBA this season, and why is it the Memphis Grizzlies? Uh, oh, well, I would say the Warriors, <laughs> just because Steph Curry, it's impossible to watch him without smiling. Yeah, that's true. Um, he's just, I don't know, man. Like he, I, I described him as playing offense like a Labrador. So he, here's the thing and, with the Warriors, yeah. though. Like, and there's a reason that I didn't say most fun team. I said like most fun, oh, sure. like who plays the most fun games. Like these yeah. games with the Warriors, like they've they've blown out a lot of teams so far. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not getting compelling games, but they're fun as hell. Uh, they, look, the the Grizzlies are just combustible. Yeah. And then John Morant might come out of nowhere and just dunk on somebody for a, you know, to tie the game. So I mean, yeah, they're they're exciting. Minnesota is exciting for for similar reasons because they kind of suck at stuff, but they're also fun and explosive. And Carl Anthony Towns is this is this insane, like the greatest shooting big man in NBA history or something. And uh, you know, you get all these weird like they had that crazy overtime game a couple weeks ago. Memphis is Memphis is just they're good. Like they're a team that should firmly be in the top six. And yet I do not know what the hell they've been doing lately. 
See, I don't even know that they should be in the top six because, like, we talked about when we were talking about Dallas, like, there are eight teams that are, like, really talented. I think Memphis should be better than Dallas. From a process perspective, yes. I don't think – maybe they could be from a talent perspective because Dallas' team is, like, not crazy talented. They just have Luka. No. But the Grizzlies do have John Morant, and we're going to talk about John Morant uh, in a couple of sections here. But man, Memphis is really fun. They're really fun. I love watching their games. They play up and down basketball. From a process perspective, they play the exact style of basketball that I just love so much. Like they run up and down. They play together. They play competent. They play unselfishly. They have shooting. Like I I love everything about the Memphis Grizzlies. I love them so much. Same. And if I wish Jaron would uh, become this generational defensive talent and start making me look good. <laughs> well, let's let's Man. go to question number fourteen here. Uh, who is the least fun team in the NBA, and why is it the New Orleans Pelicans? <sighs> it is the New Orleans Pelicans for too. sure. There is no debate there. And the truth is, when you watch them, they're fine. But it's just so depressing because we all yeah. know what it could have been. I just get bummed. I I mean, and Pelicans fans are just so touchy about this. And I, I feel bad. Uh, I, every time I watch Lonzo throw a lob in Chicago, I'm just thinking about all the lobs he used to throw to Zion. and I just love those two guys together. And Brandon Ingram is fun, but... I don't know, man. It's just a mess. It's a mess. It's, like, sad. it's sad. It's sad because I'm, I'm, we're watching a guy who might have generational talent. I mean, certainly the numbers when he's able to play indicate that he is an all-timer, but yeah. the guy just can't play. He can't stay on the court, it, and it, for some reason they can't hire him a chef and put him on a diet. It just casts a pall like over Pelicans games. It's it's a huge bummer. And, and how like, many Pelicans games have you watched? You can be I honest with me. Watched. I'm trying to think here. And I and I mean like maybe really watched, not just like because I I hop in on synergy on a lot of teams before this show. I, I'll I don't I don't mind saying this before the show. I was like, hey, I haven't seen Orlando yeah, uh, yeah. outside of playing uh, Utah. It'll, it's been a couple weeks, but I've dug in. I've watched some Jalen Suggs on synergy, but that's not the same. Yeah, like well, I, how I, much? How much of the Pelicans have you seen? Maybe five games. Like I'm not. It, maybe maybe th- they're four. irrelevant. Yeah, they are irrelevant in every single way. There's no reason. There's just no compelling reason to watch the Cavaliers unless it's your job. Or excuse, excuse me, not the Cavaliers. Cavaliers are awesome. The yeah, Pelicans. Pelicans. I was looking at the Cavaliers on my standing sheet, uh, but there's just no reason to watch the Pelicans unless it's your job. If you're a fan of the Pelicans, it must be the biggest bummer. And I heard that there were courtside seats for like 100 bucks a couple weeks ago. I don't yeah. know what they are right now. It's sad, man. And ultimately, I think we know like business-wise what, what's going to wind up happening there um, down the line most likely. And, and that's a bummer too because I actually – man, I, to me, New Orleans is such a unique city in the world, but especially in America. Um, one of the few places that has like legitimate culture – and I think that the NBA 
should be doing everything it can to try to make that help that team succeed and and, and to help basketball su- succeed in that area. I mean, you know, yeah. Memphis, the, the Memphis Grizzlies have this great opportunity in that area as well. I mean, it, it, there's I don't know, man. It's a basketball it's a basketball hotbed, not far from the Pelicans. They've like, got to figure out a way to, to fix some of the TV stuff, but they, they've got to get that basketball team fixed first. And, and, like, one of the games I watched was when they lost to the Wizards by, it was, I don't know, like four or five, something like that. And I was like, look, like, this team, like, f- fights. Like, that's the thing. Like, I actually really respect, like, how hard this team plays. Like, Josh Hart battles. Jonas Valanciunas, like, that dude fights, right? Like, Herb Jones fights. He's great. I love that guy. Um, they've gotten, like, the best version that I thought they could have out of Devontae Graham, too, by the way. I agree. He's been great so far. But, like... That, that signing doesn't look nearly as bad as it as it did the day they made it. I just... It, it sucks. Like, it, it's hard. It sucks to watch them, kind of. Like, I really... Yeah. Like we we need Zion back. Like we need to see the guy play, and I, I just want him to get healthy and like. Do get- you think so? They're saying that that there's a chance that he's back in December. I just I, I don't feel I don't know I don't know why I'm just not buying it. Uh, look, it, it's I think it's hard to believe anything that comes out of New Orleans right now regarding that, uh-huh. just because they have been so. They've obfuscated so much, it seems like. Right? Oh, you mean like not mentioning the broken foot and surgery until when was that? Training camp? Yeah. I mean, Zion goes up and says, yeah, like I think there's a chance I'm going to be ready for opening day. And then we're 15 <laughs> games into the season and like he still hasn't played. Right. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know. The, the whole thing is that that whole situation down there. And by the way, like the, the whole like situation like in regard to like obfuscating things like that casts a pall over the organization as well. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I would like better information about what's going on. Like the, the vacuum that's created by the lack of information, like makes it harder and less exciting to watch this team, I think. So yeah, the, the, the biggest bummer right now in the NBA is the new Orleans Pelicans. Let's take another quick commercial break and we will be back to finish out these last few. Okay, to start this final section, Dave, every season since 1991, there have been two players that have never made the All-NBA team that make it for the first time. Who are your picks for those two slots this year? Players that have never made All-NBA that will make it this year for the first time. All right, this is going to be tricky because I don't really pay attention to All-NBA awards, uh, so I might name guys that have that have made it. You know what? Uh, actually, no. This will be easy. How about Ja Morant and Zach Levine? Ja Morant was going to be my like immediate off-the-cuff pick. He's been incredible. He's been mm-hmm. absolutely unbelievable the entire season. I like the Zach Levine pick as well. Um, you know, Sneaky guy, by the way, that has never made... Uh, yeah, no, DeMar made a couple, I believe, actually. Now I think about it uh, in Toronto. But 
Zach Levine has not made all NBA. And I think that that's a really good pick. Uh, I think that John and Zach Levine are probably the two favorites in the clubhouse right now for this. That actually just might be the right two picks. Every time I watch John Morant, I think we're watching like a generational point guard take a leap uh, in his third season. Yeah, and it it started, I mean, he came out of the gate in preseason hunting threes off the dribble. Yeah. And I I was like, oh, 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 my alarms started going off. It was all I could talk about on pods. Hey, have you guys seen John Morant pulling up from three? Have you guys seen Ja? Look, he's hunting the three ball. It's the thing that we all kept saying he needed to do. And by the way, you know, Memphis just run by smart guys. I'm sure that they were in his ear saying, hey, you know what you should work on, buddy? This would help us and you quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, he's been awesome, man. What a great – I love that team. I hope that they can get things together because I think that they're better than what they're showing us right now. They certainly could be a little bit more consistent. I know that they're young, but they've got a lot – it's it's odd because they have guys who – I don't know. It's just like they play like older players, if that makes sense. Like they have a lot of mature – well, and look, guys. like you mentioned that front office. I mean, that those are the guys that that front office targets. That's right. Like they target emotionally mature human beings. Who are just already good at basketball. Yes. It's, it's such a novel idea to get guys who know how to play. But Memphis figured it out first. It's great. And number 16, every year since 2006, there's been at least one new player to make the all defense team in the NBA. Who is your pick to make the all-defense team for the first time this season? Stephen Curry. Oh, my God. That's a, that, that's got to be kind of a wild pick, right? I, it is a wild pick, but have you been watching him play defense? Yeah, I don't know if point I would of attack? take him uh, Guarding quite as the point high. of attack on the best defense in the league. I don't know, man. Stephen Curry. It's not like a... <laughs> there's no way. There's, there's no just, way Steph is going to make all of you in defense. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I don't know, man. That's a that's a hard one. Um, uh, Ty, did Tybal make it last year, or was he Tybal just Tybal did off? make it last year. Yeah. Tybal. Yeah. Or then Caruso. Uh, Caruso will make it this year. That's my pick. Uh, I actually, yes. Caruso, uh, I think, I want to say Caruso, I had him fifth or sixth last year. Like, the minutes start to become a thing for Caruso. You know, when you they dig in, it's year, hard. For what it's worth. Ex- yes, exactly. And so, uh, you know, when you when you dig in on the numbers with Caruso last year, it was like, oh, my God, this guy's incredible. But he was only, why was he only playing 20 minutes a game or 21 minutes a game or whatever? Um, but, yeah, I think Caruso, and especially now because everyone just discovered that Alex Caruso is an all-NBA level defender. Um, for some reason, um, I think part of that is because, and nobody's going to admit this, but people stopped watching the Lakers when LeBron got hurt last year and when Anthony Davis was out. Nobody mm-hmm. was watching Alex Caruso blow up opposing half court offense. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you, you would have thought when I was talking about the play in game between the Lakers and, and the Warriors, I mentioned I was like, hey, Alex Caruso is one guy that can actually kind of guard Steph Curry. He can blow up a lot of their actions, and he's a really good and strong defender. That That's him and KCP could cause some problems for the Warriors. Um, and now it's him and Lonzo, and I, I don't know, man. Like, the Bulls are great. So I, I think that, yeah, there's a pretty good chance that Caruso does make it this year. He's certainly got to push now 15 games in. Let's see if that holds up. I think Alex Caruso might have the record for most ridiculous nicknames on the basketball reference page. 
here we go. Bald Mamba, Bald Eagle, Caruso, Goat, AC, White Mamba 2.0, and The Accountant. Good God. People have been trying for years to come up with a good name. Can we just come up with better nicknames for white guys? (laughs) I mean, like, be a little bit more creative. Oh, my God. We can be a little bit more creative than that. It's unbelievable. They don't have to be the white such and such. You know? It's unbelievable. Um, Like, the The accountant. accountant, Like, what are we doing here? I don't get it at all. Um, That's definitely my pick as well. Uh, Number 17, we're going from Alex Caruso to talking about the Lakers. The Lakers are 25th in offensive rating and only 8-8 this season, despite playing the fifth easiest schedule thus far in the league. Do we think the problems expand beyond no LeBron James, or do we think that once he gets back, they're going to go on a run? Um, Two-part question. Uh, The first one, we don't know. Because we need to see what LeBron looks like when he comes back. Yep, been hurt a lot the last few years, and if, especially if you throw out the bubble, where the most controlled conditions that he's ever played in, in his entire life, LeBron has had some injury issues, like the last three seasons. That's that's concerning. I mean, he's old. Yeah, I'm 40. I get it. I tore my calf in June, and it's still not right. That's, it's just how it happens. Muscle injuries start to happen more often when you're older, especially older athletes. And an abdominal issue, it's not like you don't – I mean, you use your abs every single second you're on the basketball court. Yep. Try to sprint without tightening your abs. So I think we need to see what LeBron looks like. LeBron is so great, though, that I do fully expect that he will raise the ships a little bit. But at a certain point, you do have a roster issue. You just don't have – the players that, that you need, and, and they never were going to, but you were just hoping that LeBron and AD would be so good, such an overwhelming tie that they would raise all the ships and they would be totally fine. But, I mean, this defense is obviously way worse. The offense, I think, winds up being worse because they just don't have connector guys that they need. Bazemore is a disaster. I mean, he's awful last year and he's been worse this year. I don't know, man. It, it's it's weird, and and we haven't even talked about Russell Westbrook yet. Like, how the hell is that going to work? I don't I don't know if Russ and LeBron can actually play together. Russ is he's too bad right now, and maybe he rounds into form and it, and it improves. But I, I don't see him going on a run. And you know, LeBron is back right now while we're recording, and so I, I'm going to look like an idiot if he drops fifty in this game and. You know, Russell Westbrook goes twelve for thirteen, all at the basket, or something. You know, something insane happens. But I think over the course of the season, they've got so many roster issues that they're going to have to sort out, and just not a lot of assets to to do the sorting with. Uh, I, I just I don't know. I think we are going to have to change our expectations. But ultimately, it rests on LeBron. If LeBron is LeBron, then I don't know. I have to throw my hands up and just say, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, I'm very interested to see how the Russell Westbrook thing works out once LeBron gets back. Number 18, the Nuggets have no Michael Porter Jr., no Jamal Murray. They're shooting 30% from three. How in the hell does this team have a winning record right now? Defense. Nikola Jokic is anchoring the third best defense in the league. That's how. And they're doing it with, like, smoke and mirrors. I mean, it's a lot of... Let's let's throw our hands around. 
and, and hope we hit the ball a lot. Jokic is actually protected the rim really well. Uh, I think his steal rate is is up, and he's always been pretty good with his hands. But, yeah, their, their defense has just been awesome. And I don't know how or why necessarily they've been able to just pull this off better. I, I don't even think functionally their, their scheme has changed all that much. Uh, but, yeah, Jokic, Jokic just being more active around the basket. Jokic being in better shape is helping him defensively too. He's not as he's not as gassed, which has been an issue for them. Him being gassed down the stretch in the playoffs killed them. You know, and, and granted, he was rightfully exhausted. He was doing everything. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> but 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 you know, him being in better condition this year and not, you know, not having that workload, he did take the time off instead of going to the Olympics. So I think Jokic anchoring that defense, man, it's been a big deal. This is why Jokic is in my top five for MVP. Ancillary question: uh, Are you taking the Morris brothers or the Jokic brothers in a fight? Uh, I never would take a basketball player in a fight who isn't James Johnson. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, man, basketball players just don't fight, especially NBA players, because I mean, they grew up the most of their life with a certain you know people kind of treat them differently. You don't get you don't get into a lot of fights. In yeah, the look, NBA, like, there's not a lot of fights. It's a hold me back league for a reason. It's smart. Hands break very easily in fights. <laughs> so yeah, the, the I mean the Morris brothers should not fight the Jokic brothers. Number one, because the Jokic brothers, what do they have to lose? Well, but also number, the Morris brothers are basketball players. No, number two, the the one Jokic brother is like a Muay Thai fighter. <laughs> Um, yeah. By, by the way, a, a, a rule of mine, right? You don't fight somebody that you know knows how to how to fight, unless it's inside of a ring or a cage or something like that. Yeah. No. Uh, the, Good life advice. Do, do not take it fight. from me. I've been beat up before. It sucks. Do not fight the Jokic brothers. That is a bad idea. Like just period. Yes. Point blank. Do not fight the Jokic brothers. What if one of the Morris brothers swerved on the other? So, like, what if, the, you know, they go to fight, and then Marcus is like, there is no way. Although, maybe maybe they could pay off one of the Jokic brothers. You know, I mean, these are NBA players. That might Try be to the pay move. off one of the Jokic. You know, it could be like uh, J.J. Dillon trying to get Lex Luger to throw the bunkhouse stampede, but I don't know. I'm, I'm going back to 1989. All right, question number 19. How do we think the Neil Olshay inquiry ends in Portland following the fair and independent review of the workplace environment that he has fostered since running the Portland Trailblazers? I don't know. I mean, if he yelled at interns and that's something that you don't want done, then I assume he'll be fired. That I mean, that's basically it. I, I I don't personally condone yelling at anybody. I think it's yeah. a bad thing, especially if you're a boss. Yeah, you should not yell at people below you. But we know how the NBA works. They, they could probably you could probably go into every single front office or a locker room, and you could find examples of this. And again, I'm not trying to uh, excuse it at all because I think it's inexcusable. And at this point. There are only 30 of those jobs. I bet you could find 30 decent people <laughs> who are what good at the too. job and not assholes. Yeah. It, it, it's just not that hard. You you do not have to be an asshole to succeed. I don't care what television says. Yeah. And the NBA has been full of front office people who, you know, love that the media calls them smart a lot. Let's just put it that way. Uh. They love it. And you know it. So uh, I think that ultimately – Probably in this instance, I'm going to go ahead and guess 
Because you don't launch an investigation like this unless you've got a lot of firepower behind you. That that's kind of what um, my thing is too. Like yeah. I, I think so, that th- this is a this is an a th- once it gets this it's far, a formality. it seems unlikely to continue. Like yeah, long it's term. a formality. And look, if this ultimately winds up making NBA front offices a, a better place to to work and and a better environment for people to live, because People have to give up their life to work for an NBA team. I, I just don't. I don't know if the average person can can wrap their head around that. You know, traveling with the team, and even when you don't travel, if you work for the team, like you're st- you're working, you know, fifteen, sixteen hours a day. Yeah, it is a grind in every sense of the word. And so, anything that makes that grind easier on people, I'm in favor of. So, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully. That's what comes out of this. Number 20. The Cavs are starting to come back down to earth with losses to Boston, Brooklyn, and Golden State. Do we think it's important that they compete this year? Or is it fine that they're still a year away, given that they seem to have found an actual organizational centerpiece now in Evan Mobley? Um, number one, I'm going to say that the, the drop-off coincides with them having some really bad injury luck recently. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're missing a lot of guys. Colin Sexton's out. Right? Yep. That's one less useful body for them. He scores points for them. Jared Allen's been out. Now Mobley's out. Chetty Osmond's been out. I, I think that it's it's easy to say just – it's kind of like the Bucks, right? It's easy to look at their record and be like, oh, wait, what happened? Uh, but with the Cavs, look, their fundamentals are good. And even in that game against the Warriors where they ultimately – you know, Steph Curry happens in the fourth quarter – they were defending really, really well. I think that defense is real. And, and yep. even without Evan Mobley, the schemes that they're running are are fantastic. J.B. Bickerstaff is coaching his ass off, plain and simple. So I think the Cavs, there's a shot that they're in the play-in this year, right? And, and if they're in the play-in, they should be ecstatic. That's a fantastic spot for them to be in. But if they don't make the play-in, I don't think it's a, a failure of a season because this sort of competitiveness right now, is super important for them. This this shows me they're they're making the right steps. Garland looks awesome. Yep. You mentioned Mobley, who looks. I don't. I mean, when you talk to people around the league about Mobley, how often do they bring up Duncan Garnett? Yeah, uh, you know Kevin Durant. They're you know it's just some of the names that people are and and I have to get people to pump the brakes. And you know how crazy that is. There you know seventeen games of this guy's. Not even 17 games into his career. And people are talking about that. But, yeah, the Cavs, man, I'm so excited by them. They're really fun, and they're playing great basketball. Yeah, I'm really pumped about them, too. I think they look really genuinely good. They, I think that J.B. Bickerstaff is actually a good coach, too. Like Everything I've seen so far says that those guys play hard. Even last year, they played hard for them, it felt like. Um yeah, I, I like what they've done. I really, really like what they've done uh, this year. I still don't love the roster. Like, I still think they have too many bigs. But oh, of course, the most important thing—they they hit the most important thing. They hit the guy, and now they get to build around that guy, right? Hmm. Yeah. Question I mean, number twenty-one a, real is quick. The, go ahead. I just uh, on the bigger staff point, the, he gets made fun of a little bit for always being the replacement coach, but. There's a lot of value in that guy. And I think that if you dig in a little bit and you ask around and you say, okay, 
why has this guy been the interim so many times? It's because it's a guy you can have at the front of your bench and trust. Yep. I mean, he's a good basketball coach who has a great reputation. It, it is nice. Like, I, I was pumped when he got the – actually got the full job there. Yeah. And the extension. Because I think that that's a great way to build going forward. He's, he's been good with young players his whole career. And, and to be able to have an opportunity to take this team from the bottom into the playoffs, that's huge. It's great. Question number 21 is the question we ask to end all of these podcasts. Dave Dufour, have you accepted Pokuism, the belief that Alexei Pokushevsky is your basketball lord and savior? Um, okay. It's, this is tricky because I was saying that the Warriors should have taken Poku at number two instead of Wiseman. <laughs> so where does that put me? That puts you uh, potentially as our cult Am leader. I the Pope? I was going to say, am I the Pope? <laughs> you might be the Pope. I might be the, like, the cult leader. Uh, you yeah. can be the Pope and Poku can be the deity. <laughs> There, there you go. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm there. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, he's so intriguing because, uh, you know, he doesn't really make a lot of sense yet. No, he doesn't. And, did, but did you see him make that, like, crossover pull-up jumper against Brooklyn a couple nights ago? It was nasty. No, it was real not. good. No, I didn't see that. <laughs> it was real good. Um, yeah, I, like, he's he shows flashes. He's shown flashes. Or it might have been against Miami. Um, I forget. Yeah, but nonetheless, he's a couple of years. I, like it's funny to say this now, but he's like a couple of years away from being a couple of years away potentially. Oh, but he, he could just pop next year. You know what I mean? He, he's a he's a funny guy. Um, I still he's got such a long way to go on his body. It's just I don't know. I'm not sure what he's going to wind up. Will he have a chance to wind up anything? You think? There's a lot of mouths to feed. In Oklahoma City. Sure. I, I think that there is between a zero and 100% chance that he's going to be great. <laughs> oh, man. That's the yeah, key of Pokuism. I, 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 I will tell you this. I will say this. No matter where he winds up, we're all going to enjoy the ride. It's been fun so far. And and I just, you know, I hope he winds up being great. Um, I hope he retires at the age of 40 after breaking every record in the NBA and then goes back to the Adriatic League and, and has like multiple MVP seasons as a center. Love it. Let's do it. I'm at all in. Age 41 and 42. Sign me up. Just the best. Dave Dufour, tell the people where they can find you and your work. Everything at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com. Hey, what's your uh, what's your promo? I don't know. Game theory? Probably. I bet it's game theory. I can, I can look it up. It's probably right. Let me look it up. Let, let, let's do this. We'll do this live. I want to look this up. I that, don't that even know, people know. I just ask people. Look at this. Yep. Hey, listen, guys. I think this podcast is going to come out pretty soon. But next week, if you go to theathletic.com slash game theory, we're running Black Friday deals. A dollar a month. Just do it. That's what it's all about. Yeah, support support the show, actually. Show people that you listen. Sam, Sam works hard, and he's bad at plugging stuff. So <laughs> I'll plug his show. Uh, and then my show, The Athletic NBA Show. I do the Daily Ding, you know, a couple days a week, and, and we've got Nerder comes out on Fridays. And, uh, yeah, that's all my stuff is also at The Athletic. So if you go to theathletic.com slash game theory next week, sign up. 
for a buck a month or, or give it as a gift. You can listen to all of my stuff ad-free and this podcast ad-free. And That's read true. all of Sam's amazing articles without ads ever. That's the athletic.com slash game theory. How's that for a plug? That was that was a hell of a plug from Dave Dufour. Go listen to Dave. Dave does great work over on the Athletic NBA show and the Daily Ding. Uh, I will probably have a couple things coming out soon. Rookie rankings got delayed. We're going to run those next week. Uh, that'll be definitely what comes out for me next week, though. But until next time, we will talk soon, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.